Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Somebody say, faithful servants. Amen. Do you want to learn about being a faithful servant? I hope that you do. Here's something real exciting. If you're new with us, we've been going verse by verse through the entire book of Ephesians since 2017. That's been over a year and a half, over a year and a half. And guess what? Today, we're reading the last verses of the book. Give yourselves a hand clap even if you didn't want to. Come on. That doing, you weren't as excited as I was. I don't know. But I'm excited. You guys have made it. Now, if you've been here and you've only caught like chapter 5 and onward or whatever, go back and listen to them. The entire book is de uh, 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 detailed and documented on our website with messages. And today we're going to learn about faithful servants. Now, if you look up here, we have in him, standing for being in God, the triangle representing the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And that's the theme of the book of Ephesians. And it was never a more important time to have that as a remembrance than it is today, because we are servants of Christ in Jesus. I'm not just doing this somewhere, like God's somewhere out there, and I'm trying to like impress him, like, do you see me? Do you see me, God? No, God is closer than my skin. Me and God are like this. He lives within me, and I'm within his Holy Spirit. We are intertwined together, my heart and his. And so when I serve him, I'm serving actually with the power he gives me. And that's why the Bible says, in him, in him. Somebody say, in him. Thank you. In him, we live and move and have our being. Isn't that awesome? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Somebody say, Tychicus. Tychicus is the person we're going to be learning about today. Look at this. Tychicus, the dear brother and what? Faithful servant. Say it like you mean it. The dear brother and faithful servant, thank you, in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Nudge your neighbor and say, I want to encourage you. Come on, tell somebody, I want to encourage you. Amen. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Somebody say grace. Grace up in your face. Thank you. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with, his un, with an undying love. Now, what would be awesome if today was the wrap, the end of the book, but you know me, I got to pull some messages out of this. So we got some more messages coming out of this passage here, but this is the end of the book. What's really cool is that now you know how the book actually starts. At the end, you now know the whole entire story. Let me back up and explain this to you. Apostles write epistles. Apostles write epistles. An epistle is a letter to a church. How our church is established? In this time, it was by the apostles going around and preaching the gospel. They were the only ones that knew it, so they had to share it. As the people got saved, they gathered together in cities and made that their hub. The book of Ephesians is named after the city of Ephesus. Paul now is in jail for preaching the gospel in other cities where they didn't like him, so he's locked up. He now needs to send this epistle to this church to tell them what's up. So when you get the letter, Ephesians, handed to you, who's the one doing it? The end of the letter tells you. It's Tychicus. Now, more than likely, they already knew who he was. So imagine this. This is snail mail. There's no texting. There's no Facebook. They're apostles in jail. They haven't heard from him, and all of a sudden...
They get a knock at the door. Who is it? It's old Tiki, man. Go check it out. That's Tiki Kiss. What's up, dude? What's up? And Tiki Kiss is like, I got the letter. Here it is from Paul making it rain scrolls. You know what I'm saying? They're like, man, what's going on with Paul? He's like, look, read the letter. It only takes 20 to 30 minutes to read the letter. That's why I've encouraged you to do it every single week. Do you know that since we've been doing this a year and a half, I've only missed two weeks just because life got busy and I forgot, so it's okay, God forgave me. But I think I have read the book of Ephesians almost 200 times or listened to it by audio. So it only takes about 20 or 30 minutes, so they read through it, and they're like, wow, man, this is awesome. And what's pretty much the, the whole entire thing of the book of Ephesians. We've put it up here before. You've seen it. So imagine them. They're reading it. They're getting all of the heavenly-minded goodies in the first four chapters. And then the last three chapters, they're getting here all the earthly good. So, you know, you've heard people say, don't be so heavenly-minded. You'll be of no earthly good. That's not true. Be so heavenly-minded. You change the earth for good. So imagine this. They're reading the letter, and they're like, they're like, oh, my goodness. We're seated in heavenly places. This is amazing. You mean the Holy Spirit has sealed us into the day of redemption. And then, and then take it's like, yeah, it gets better. Keep reading. Oh, chapter 2, we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves or by works, lest any man should boast, but we're the workmanship of God. And he's like, isn't that awesome? Paul wrote that, man. God was using him. And then he says, it gets better. Keep reading. And then they go through it all together. And then they talk about Christian living. And then they talk about the family, spiritual warfare. And then right at the end, as they're reading it, and you can just imagine, Tychicus is there as they're reading it. Tychicus is a good and faithful brother. And he's like, yeah, that's me. That's, that's me. Now, I don't think he was doing it in a prideful way, but it's like, hey, I came here to deliver this to you. Paul trusted me with this so that I could share with you the words of God. And so here's the application right at the beginning. Here's, here's where we're going today. Do you want to be trusted with the words of God like that? We need more Tychicuses in the world. We need more people that can hear the word of God, understand it, live by it, and then give it to other people. That's what I hope I'm doing for you today. Because when we look at the Bible, they were no different than us. Tychicus was a man just like us today. And in the Bible, they mention women as well, and we'll get to that. But let's look at Acts chapter 20 and see where Tychicus came from. Some people believe that he was actually one of the first disciples with Jesus because Jesus had upwards of 500 disciples, 12 main ones. One died, Judas. He was replaced with Matthias. And then they went up in the upper room to wait for the Holy Spirit. There was about 120. But when you track throughout Jesus' life, there was probably close to 500. Paul mentions them. 500 witnesses saw the resurrected Lord. Well, anyways, we, we look at church history and make the best guess. He might be there from the very beginning. We don't know. But here's what we know for sure is that when Paul is leaving Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, here he shows up in the actual script. Look at it, Acts 20 verse 2. And by the way, if you don't know what Acts stands for, it's really simple. Acts of the Apostles. That's where the name comes from. So you're learning what the Apostles did. He traveled, talking about Paul, through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and, a fine, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Because some Jews had plotted against him, just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. And as you'll learn in the book of Acts, those are the folks that arrest him. Those are the ones who put him in jail. They're hunting him down from city to city. Now look at verse 4. I love this so much. He, talking about Paul, was accompanied by Sopater son of Purus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Tromephus 
from the province of Asia. Why do I think that's so awesome? Because right now the names are given of the apostles' disciples. Can I tell you how I could bear, embarrass some of the men here today? Not that I would intend to or want to, but I could embarrass some of the men here today if I simply did this. I said, I will give you $100 if you can name five players of your favorite sport team. They would name it, right? Boom, from the Cubs, from the Sox, from the Bears, from the Bulls, from whatever. Now, you say, what's so embarrassing about that? I bet you if I said, I'll give you $1,000 if you name five disciples, you couldn't do it. You see, they could name five of their favorite players for $100, but they couldn't even probably name five of Jesus' disciples for 1000 And here's what it even get more embarrassing. I'll give you $10,000 if you can name five of Paul's disciples. Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament. Don't you think we should care more about these names than we do about guys who wear tights and hit balls with bats or run around grass field and kick a ball into a net, soccer? Come on, somebody. I know you all can keep up with the Kardashians because I know some ladies, you're like, well, I wouldn't know anybody. Okay, let me ask you something. If I called you up here and I said, name three products that Kylie Jenner sells, and I'll give you 100 bucks, I bet you could do it. Oh, she's got the best eyeliner. She's got the lipstick. And then some people are like, no, I don't follow her. I follow Kuda or what's her name? What's the other one that looks like a Kardashian? No, 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 it's not a Kardashian. Kuda or something. She's from the Middle East. She sells the eyeliner. I'm looking at you, Jack. You don't know these ladies? Well, good for you. Good for you, Jackie, pretending like you don't know in church. No, I want to take your word. But if I said name, name, name three of the top, uh, you know, musicians, oh, Beyonce, oh, this and that. But if I said to the lady, same thing, name me five of the disciples. Name me five of, the, of Paul's disciples. You see, we're keeping up with the wrong people. We're keeping up and doing the wrong things. We're putting our face in the wrong book. We need to take our face out of Facebook and put our face back in this book. Why are these names so important to me? Because I've been brought up in a culture where none of my best friends or even my siblings have their name up there in the sense of this. They're not disciples of Christ. You see, I'm half Italian and I'm half Polish, and my Italian side didn't really serve God. My Polish side, only one aunt did, and then my dad did, and the other uncles, they're still Catholic. They look at us like we're crazy. And then my mother in her first marriage had three kids, and they stayed with the dad, and that's how I came as an only child because my mom remarried my dad. My dad begged her to have another child. And so none of my brothers or sisters are saved. My one sister died drinking and driving. And even, you know, I'm proud of, of being an American. I love this country. I think it's better than any other countries. But even as I was driving here today on Highway 90, I see an advertisement, you know, for a strip club. And so literally this is how I feel at times. I feel like I'm in a world where nobody gets me. I feel like I'm in a world where my friends I used to hang out with, they don't get me. My family doesn't get me. But these guys do. You see these men right here, So Potter? He gets me. Aristarchus, Secundus, if I go to heaven right now, I'm looking for them. We're telling the same stories. Like Gaius, what was it like to preach the gospel in Derby? Timothy, what was it like to preach the gospel? Guys, how did it feel raising your family in a pagan culture? Prometheus, what was it like to serve Jesus? So I want to encourage you today. If you ever find yourself alone in this world, go back to the Bible and find your family. This is your family. This is your culture. We are kingdom culture. 
So anything that's not of this culture, I don't want to be a part of. I know, I know some of y'all don't believe me that you think you can just say, Joe, I can imagine you at the lake right now being on one of those boats or being at the club pumping your fist. I may look like them. I understand that. But here I ain't them. I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. And that's the thing I want to ask you. Are you servants of this world? Do people know you because of how worldly you are? Or do people know you because of how godly you are? And who you run with is the apostles and the teachers of God's scripture. See, I want my name to be mentioned there. And I just got to throw uh, some love to the ladies right here. Because in, in that list of Paul's disciples, it's just men. And some people might think, well, that's only because he ran with men. That's not true. Look at when he reads, uh, when he writes the book of Romans. And by the way, if it took us a year and a half to go through six chapters of, of Ephesians, how long do you think it would take us to get through the book of Romans 16 chapters? That would be about a decade, so we'll see if that book comes on our preaching list. But I love Paul. Look at him here. Same Paul the Apostle, chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centuria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. Can I get an amen for the ladies in the place? Come on, ladies. There you are. So I just, you know, just don't want to leave you out of the list where Tychicus is named. It just happens to be there's no ladies here, but we know that they're there. They're running with the apostles. They're doing the things of God. And as a matter of fact, here you see right below this in verse 3, a husband and wife team who are apostles. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers. And then a little bit further down, it says, greet Andunicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They were locked up together. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were even saved before I was. The Bible teaches us about these people because they're supposed to be our examples. I know some of us want to sing like Beyonce. I get it. I know some of you dudes, you want to be built like, you know, whatever bodybuilder's cool right now. I get it. Like, y'all want to have money like the people in the world have money. But all of those things are going to fail you at some point. These are the examples we're supposed to have. Now, did some of them have money? Yes. As you'll see, a lot of them ran stuff in life as you follow out their lives. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are doctors. Do you know who's actually writing the book of Acts? He's a doctor. His name's Luke, okay? So it doesn't mean you can't make moves in life. It's just what comes first, God and his kingdom. Can I get an amen? Amen. Here you can see about Take a Kiss. This is more of like the encyclopedia type stuff where he's mentioned in other books of the Bible and how he ran uh, with Paul. But I want you to see what he said of what this uh, expositor's commentary says about him in this last sentence. It says, Paul describes Tychicus as a loyal Christian servant. That is the highest title you can be called in the Christian faith, a loyal servant. I want you to understand this. King is lower than a servant in the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, Grammy winner is lower. Championship, doctor, whatever, whatever you want to think is the highest title we can have in this world. Servant of God goes above it. And I want you to see that all of us can be that. You all want to be servants? 
Amen. Let's look at that word faithful first. The word faithful comes from the Greek word pistos, and it literally means trustworthy, reliable. We understand that faith, pistis in the Greek, gives us faithfulness. And it's the same thing in English, faith, faithful. They build off of each other. Pisti is faith in the Greek, pistos, faithful. How do we get to be faithful? God changes our hearts and gives us the gift of faith. We don't produce faith on our own from our willpower. It's a gift given to us, and then it's a decision for us whether or not we use it. Think about it like this. When you become born again, all of you have faith, and you can use it or lose it in that sense. Just like you were born, all of us were given muscles, but some of y'all don't use it. That's why you lose it, Joe B. You see that right there? You see that? See, we all got... we all. <laughs> We all got the same muscle structure, but whether or not you exercise, it's up to you. I'm just teasing, half kid. Um, got to keep these younger men in check, right? Anyways, anyways, we all get the gift of faith. God's not leaving anybody out. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like your muscles. They can, go into, they can go into decay. You can hurt yourself by not using the muscles God has given you. That's why they teach older people to keep using your muscles. Now, I want you to see the Old Testament, which is the foundation of the New Testament, how faithfulness was important then and how much more so now. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. And all the ladies said... Come on, ladies. You know some dudes have said, I love you, baby. I ain't never going to cheat on you. I'm always going to be here. And then they, they do what? They cheat on you. They leave you. Come on, fellas. Can I hear an amen? Even some girls have done that to you. I'll never cheat on you. I won't go to that gym and cheat on you with that dude who's got all those muscles, you know. We all know what it's like, right? How many of us have had people say, I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll always be here for you. But they have let you down. Sadly, as a pastor, I have watched people making wedding vows right in front of me and God and say, baby, I love you. I'll never leave you. And now they're divorced. You want to talk about a discouraging moment. The first couple I ever married as a pastor is now divorced. Many people claim to have love for God, but they're not faithful to God either. I mean, you see them go through the whole, the whole thing, kissing the cross, doing all the thing, you know, do, you know, do all of this. But really, they're not being faithful. Just doing that is not faithful. How, how many know if every time I just saw my wife when I walked by, if I just said, I love you, baby, how many know at some point she's going to be like, that ain't good enough, son. You better come over here and talk to me. You better come and give me a back rub, right? If I just walked by and did that, you know, that, that doesn't do nothing. If I just walked by her, maybe because let's just be more like, like contemporary, if I just did the heart. How many know that doesn't mean anything? Like after a while, she's going to be like, you don't spend any time with me. You don't talk to me. Uh, talk to me. You don't serve me. And I feel like people are doing that to God. They're just walking around with the picture of God or a cross or they're just doing some religious thing. But God is saying, where are you at? Where are you at 9 to 5? Where are you at when you go to bed? Where are you at on Sunday? You see, the Bible says many can claim it, but few do it. And so I would like for you today, it's real simple, to be the one that says, God, I'm here. God, I'm here to serve you. God, you served us first by dying on the cross, and now I'm going to serve you. When you look at the Bible, all he talks about in his parables is about faithful servants. Just in your mind, like run through the different parables. The one that always is the winner, the winner, look at that one. It's the faithful servant. I could keep you here all day just naming the parables, but I chose one because I think it really shows it the best. Look at Matthew 25, 14, please. Open up your Bible, your app. I want you to see it, not just on the screen, because I want you to remember this story. It's very important. Somebody say faithful servant. 
Thank you. Look at it. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, doulos in the Greek, and entrusted him, trusted them with his wealth. To one, he gave five bags of gold. How many would like to have five bags of gold today? Amen. How about two bags of gold? Are y'all going to complain about two bags of gold? I mean, I know you may be a little jelly of the one who got five, but how many are going to really be like, I don't want it then? I'm like, okay, I'll take two bags. And then look what it says. And then the other one, he gave one bag. How many of y'all still take a bag? Even though you'll feel a little salty with the one with the two and the five, you'll still be like, okay, I'll take it. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but if y'all got a bag of gold at home, I want to know how much it's worth. Because I bet you it's worth some money. The, the historians guessed, we guessed that the bag of gold they're being handed here in the parable, because they would use this as a form of money, is about a million dollars a bag. So one got $5 million, another got $2 million, one got a million dollars. Now look at this, what it says here. The man who had received, uh, excuse me, they, they got the bags. Look at what it says. Then he went on his journey. But before that, what does it say? They got their bags of gold according to what? His ability. So this is where we understand it's not about socialism and everybody gets the, the same thing. Your ability determines what you get. So why did the one get five? Because he could take care of five. Why did the one get two? Because he could do that. If you're looking at your life today and you don't like what you have, look at yourself in the mirror and change. Hello, somebody. Change. If you don't like what you have, change. If you want something you don't have, do what you haven't done. So God looked at their ability and gave them each something. Now, here's the good thing that I love about God. Even though God knows that, knew they had different abilities, he still all gave them something that was valuable. So, so we may look at our friends and be like, you know, they look like they got $5 million worth of talents and abilities. Or, or this person looks like they got $2 million. But how many know a million is still quite a bit? You can still do a lot with $2 million, or a million rather. So he went on his journey. Look at verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. Somebody say double up. Thank you. Verse 17. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. Somebody say double up. Amen. But verse 18 says, the man who had received one bag of gold went off, dug a hole in the ground, and what? Hid his master's money. Y'all going to see how it's going to get real, real quick. How many know who the master is in the parable? How many figured it out? Who's the master? Jesus. Who are the stewards or the servants? We are. That's right. You got it. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. How many know it's been a long time since Jesus has come back? It's been about 2,000 years, but how many knows he's still coming back? Come on, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. These should be some of the scariest words you have ever heard in your life. Settled accounts with them. Here's the deal. You're not standing before God on judgment day with your friend comparing to how good you were compared to them. Like, God, don't judge me. You have no idea how bad this person was. Like, you're not going there with Hitler so you can look really clean while Hitler's all dirty and nasty. You will stand before God yourself. And some people say, like, well, don't judge me because only God can judge me. That should scare you. God's judgment should scare you because God's going to settle the accounts. Look at your neighbor and say, God will judge you. You're going to get just what you wished for. He's going to judge you. Now watch this. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied. Let's say this phrase together. One, two, three. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. Wow. That just blew my mind right there. 
Jesus just called $10 million small things. He just called that small things. Now he says, you're about ready to get some real stuff. Did you know that when Jesus comes back and judges the world, that then we rule and reign with him for a 1,000 years, and the streets are made out of gold? <laughs> He's like, you all think this is something. I use this for pavement. I cannot even comprehend what the kingdom of God is going to be like when it comes on this earth. Everybody ends the story at Armageddon, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and you know, the lightning and all of this. Well, after all of that, God doesn't leave it a mess. You know, it's not like some dump, you know, that he just blew up like Hiroshima after the bomb. No, he restores the world. And then the Bible says we rule and reign with him for a thousand years. He said, bow, look at this. You get a lot of things. You see, I want to be faithful with little so I can get a lot. Now, notice this, that God's servants are leaders in the world. He didn't expect the person just to not uh, uh, be a leader. He wanted him to double up. So a lot of times people come into the church and they say, well, what do you think God wants me to do? Just come to church all the time and not pay my bills? No, God wants you to come to church and go be the best uh, moneymaker out there. Go be the best doctor, the best lawyer, the best whatever you do. Go be the best. Double up. So the idea is Christian servants are the best leaders. Somebody put that on Facebook. You can even put your name on it. I don't care. You don't have to quote me. Come on. Just get it out in the world. Christian servants are the best leaders. The best leaders. So they doubled up. Now, this man doubled up. The next one, uh, it, it says, come and share in your master's happiness. Now, look, the one with two bags of gold comes. The next one, he says, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I gained two more. And he repeats exactly the same thing. So you notice that God is not going to treat the one with different ability, different in judgment. He just wants you to multiply what you have. So the one who had five and multiplied to ten is not treated different than the one who got two and multiplied to four. So what's the lesson there? The lesson is whatever God has given you, be faithful with it. So you're not going to be compared to what Billy Graham was given. Let's say Billy Graham was given five bags of gold. God's expecting on Judgment Day Billy Graham to show up with five more. But he's not expecting somebody that got two or one to do the same thing, like my mom, who's been a stay-at-home mom. But what God wants my mom to do is to be faithful with the life she has. Does everybody get that? So the one who had the two and doubled up gets the same kind of blessing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Everybody go, look out. Come on now. Here comes the dude with one who hit it. Let's see what happens. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hardworking man, harvesting what you had not sown, gathering what you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Now, you would think that maybe the master would just be happy and be like, well, you know, you didn't waste it, so you're giving it back to me. That's good. No. Read the first Three words here, or four words of what Jesus says back to him. One, two, three. You wicked, lazy servant. You wicked, lazy servant. Why did Jesus just snap all of a sudden? Because what Jesus is showing in this illustration is, if you really knew how hard I worked to save souls, if you really knew what I did coming down from heaven to earth so that I could die, that other people could live, and all you did is just show up and went to church and just did your own thing, you are wicked and you are lazy. Because if you really understand the gospel, you're going to want to share the gospel.
Now, I have to put on the brakes right here and say we're not saved by our works. Understand this. Going back to the book of Ephesians in chapter 2, Paul is telling us what we are saved by. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 8, it says here, it says, for it is by what? Grace. Somebody say grace. Thank you. By grace you have been saved through what? Faith, thank you, this is not from yourself. So we don't take credit, it's a gift of God. Not by what? Works. So not by doubling up are you saved, because then you could boast in that. But look at verse 10. you got to connect verses 8 and 9 to verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, thank you, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's the deal, and James said it like this, one of the apostles said it like this, faith without works is dead. So if you're truly a Christian, you're going to show that you're a Christian. What this man is displaying is that he really don't know his master's heart. Because he said, I hid it because I didn't want to waste it. And then he talked about how hard the master had to work to get it. But that's not really true. That's a smoke screen. And I hear this from people in our generation like this. You know what? I, I love God, and I know he really died on the cross for me. But I'm not ready. I'm not ready right now. I feel like if I make that commitment, I'm not going to keep it. And I, when I do it, I want to do it right. And it sounds noble, right? It's not, how many people have heard somebody talk like that? And it sounds noble. It's like, well, man, that, that kind of makes sense. No, God is you wicked, lazy servant. That's what God is saying. You wicked, lazy servant. Because if you really knew you were that weak and you were going to let me down and all that, you would fall on my grace every single day and let me build you into the masterpiece, the handiwork I made you to be. See, right now, your excuse is still all about you. You're still self-centered. You're still all about you. You don't see me. You don't see the million that I gave you. All you see is yourself. Because why? If you go back in the story here, it says, if you understood this, you could have put the money on deposit like this. If you can't win nobody to the Lord or don't know how to study the Bible, you could at least went to a Bible study, invited your friend and said, now listen to this person preach to you. You could at least got a little interest on a million. How many would like to have the interest of a, on a million dollars? I mean, I'll even take that if you want to give it. Amen? So it's worth something. Even if you couldn't do it yourself, you could have let the bank do it for you. So the idea is Christians are expected to multiply now watch, that would be enough just to end it right there. That would almost just scare the hell out of all of us. Jesus is going to hold me account. I'm going to be in trouble. But it gets even more scary. Somebody say scary. Because now watch what happens. Take that bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags of gold. Whoop, whoop. Right there, we just learned a big principle in God's kingdom. He doesn't play favorites. If you don't use what you have, it's going to be taken and given to somebody else. You know why sometimes I think this gringo came from Fort Wayne, Indiana? Oh, y'all ain't ready for this. To be in Humble Park because some of the Latino pastors didn't want to stand out there. And God said, whoop, whoop, boop, beep, and put me right there. Are you all listening? Y'all can say, oh, me, oh, my, but somebody should say, man, why do you think I'm here? And half of them don't want to go out there. And it can be said about all types of other cultures because God don't play favorites. Why is a Fort Wayne boy here in your city? I'm a missionary here. Somebody must have dropped their bag of gold. Now, I'm thankful for the Latino pastors who are doing it, the white pastors, whatever. But you get my point because God could have left me right there in the cornfields and said, just work right here. But God had to say, there's 8 million folks that need you. Come on over here. But I don't habla espanol. So what? Here's the bag of gold. Do you want it? Yes, I want it. Well, then come on, get you some. Are you getting it? 
And so I got to say this, it's not just about me. You might find yourself preaching to somebody going, how did I end up here? Maybe you're preaching to somebody that looks totally different from you. Then They're from India. Maybe they're rich and maybe you're poor or maybe you're poor and uh, you're rich and they're poor. You might find yourself in some weird social setting and wonder why in the world you're there and God may say, because I tried to send their own people to them, but they didn't listen, so I'm sending you. You, the housemaid, might win the woman who owns that mansion to the Lord. Are you listening? Come on, somebody. Are you listening? Whatever you have, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. That's why I say, God, if you're sending me to Chicago, let's put 100000 on the board. Amen. Whoever does not have, watch this, even what they have will be taken from them. How can you not have something and then have it taken away at the same time? If I don't have it, how are you taking it away? Because that's where he's going spiritual again. Here's the thing. You have an eternal soul that you will always have, but you have gifts given to that eternal soul that you won't always have. If you don't use the gifts that your eternal soul was given, those things will be taken and that soul will be sent to hell. You will lose your gifts. You will lose that ability and be placed into hell. How many want to have their gifts with their soul and rule and reign with Christ? Now if you said, Pastor, I don't know if it gets all that serious. Look at verse 30 and tell me how serious you think it gets. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How many want to go tomorrow on your job and motivate your team like that? Hey, listen, y'all better double up and make some sales here or we're going to put you out in the parking lot and beat you. (laughs) See, they don't like this part of my Jesus, right? They think my Jesus is crazy because he's threatening them like this. Jesus is different than your boss threatening you like this. And I know we have someone from the military here. Let's give it up for Lydia. God bless you, soldier. Now, they may be rough and tough with you, right? But here's the deal. Why does Jesus have the right to threaten people like this? The reason why is because he says, you didn't make your soul. I did, and I determine where it goes. You don't get to come in my house unless you're a servant. You see, I don't get the right to kick out people in the church and beat them and throw them into darkness. That's crazy, right? And you don't get the right to treat people. But why is judgment so severe? Why does the God of heaven and earth get to do this? It's because he made us for a purpose. And what he's saying is when you're not in my light, you're in darkness. When you're not serving me and doing what I want and having joy, you're going to be weeping and gnashing your teeth with the pain of your own selfishness and regret. Pride is the sin that gets us cast out. It's not because God doesn't love us enough. It's because we love ourselves too much that we get cast out. This servant was loved by his master. You don't give a million dollars to somebody you don't trust. He trusted this person. This person had the same opportunity as everybody else, but it was his choice. Can I hear an amen? Praise God. Let's be that faithful servant. Look at how the book of Ephesians starts now. Ephesians 1, verse 1, ends just how it ends in chapter 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the what? The faithful in Christ Jesus. So how many of them could be faithful? All of them. How many of you can be faithful? All of us. All of us have the opportunity to be faithful. Now let me just close out by showing you that word servant. Do you know that the number one word that Christians are called in the Bible isn't Christians? The number one word is disciple. It's used over 300 times. You want to know what word comes in second place? Guess, servant. 
It comes from two Greek words, dolos, which can always go, which can also go towards slave, and then it comes from dikanos, which is servant. They're interchangeable at different parts. Here you see at the end of Matthew chapter 20, verses uh, 26 and onward, it says, not so with you. When he's talking about if you want to be a leader, don't be like the Gentiles who lord it over uh, each other. It says instead, whoever wants to become great among you, notice that being great in the kingdom is not uh, looked down on. God wants you to be great. God wants to put you in charge of many things, but he said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your what? Your servant. So I want you to be great in the kingdom, but be a servant. Be a great servant. Verse 27, whoever wants to be first must also be your what? Slave. You see the word dekanos meaning servant, doulos meaning slave, and they can also mean the same thing. They, the translators have a wide variety to use, and sometimes servant is actually from the word doulos, if you want to study that out. Now look at what it says. Just as, as the Son of Man did not come to be what? Served. Dekanoi. But to serve Dikanioi and to give his life as a ransom for many. So who's the greatest servant? And who's the greatest leader? Can I get some help here today? Who's the greatest servant? Jesus. Who's the greatest leader? Jesus. So what do we want to be? Servant leaders. What should Donald Trump be? A servant leader, a servant president. What should our military be? Serving leaders. What does the emblem on the police's car say? Serve and protect. How about in marriages? What should the greatest husband be? A serving leader. What should the wife be? A serving leader. Children with their parents, what should they be? A servant leader. On your job, whether you're the employer or the employee, how can you do the best there? Be a what? A servant leader. So whatever you learn here in this book should touch every other part of your life. I wish to God that all of our leaders were servant leaders to, again, man. I wish that our mayor was a servant leader. I wish that everyone that shows up at my church wanting counsel for their marriage would stop fighting for the right to be right, lay down their rights, and serve. When you fight for your right to be right, you're often wrong. Facebook that. When you fight for your right to be right, you're often wrong. Let's serve each other. I know it's not easy, but it's the command of God. Look at Jesus again. This is where we were even talking about with the children. It's the same concept because children are taught to serve. Look at Mark 9.35. And he sat down and he called the 12. And this is what he said. If you want to be great, you're going to go to all the conferences. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you're going to have the mic and do all the preaching really loud and your face is going to turn red. No, how you become great in the kingdom is not just what I'm doing right now with a microphone. It's not just writing books. How can all of us use our bag of gold and become great? If anyone, somebody say anyone, anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. So you got a bag of gold. It's called your life. What are you going to do with it? Who, in other words, are you going to serve with it? You know, people a lot of times make fun of us, and I know you've probably heard it. They say, you Christians, you guys just need a crutch in your life. See, I'm so much stronger than you. I don't need God. No, no, my friend. Let me look at your bank account, and I'll see who you're serving right now. you serving your mortgage. I'll see right now. Let me look at your hours of your day. You're, you're serving all of these things. You serve your car. Your car has a hold on you as a master has hold on a slave. Are you listening? If you're not bowing your knee to Jesus, you're bowing your knee to a false god. All of us are worshiping and serving someone or something. Just watch their life, and you'll find who their God is, who their master is. But let me ask you this. In all sincerity, because I can't say it for you, i got to ask you this personally. Is there anybody else you would rather serve than Jesus? 
Is there anybody else you could trust with your life more than Jesus? I'm telling you from my personal experience, church, there's nobody else I would trust than Jesus. I only bow down to him. Are you listening? It's my life for his glory. That's the only trade where you win. You trade for anything else, you lose. Even your family, if you don't put God first in your family, you'll lose your family. The book of Acts, once again, talks about the apostles. They were multiplying and they were growing and they needed leaders to help them out. Decanos is, in other words. And you know what they said? They said, choose seven men among yourselves who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom and we'll turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. See, I want to know today in this church, is there anybody that says, Pastor, I'll be faithful. And Pastor, I'll serve God with you. You're not alone. We're not just coming here to watch the 12 apostles do their thing or the four elders or whatever. We're coming here, Pastor, because we want to serve too. In other words, coach, put me in the game. Because we don't want to just sit on the pew and then stink with our attitude. That's why they call it a what? A pew. Don't just sit here and watch me. Go out there and serve God. Go out there and serve God. No one here is stopping you. As a matter of fact, we're not tolerating you. We're accelerating you. I'm not just like, oh, so-and-so showed up. I'm like, I'm glad so-and-so showed up. Let's get them in the Bible. So let's send them out to change the world. And once again, is it just so that we can build a church up? No. It's because when you build the church, God's going to build your business. When you build God's family, God's going to build your family. That's his principle, kingdom first and everything else. I want you to be the best on your job. I want you to make the wins. Do you know that those, I can't do it for everybody, but those who have my cell phone number, do you know that they blow me up with their sales? They blow me up with their promotions. They blow me up with what they're doing on social media because they know I'm one of their biggest supporters. I'm in the back cheering them on saying, go get it. One of my guys right now has a video that's got over 200,000 views. It's the one that he's given his dad a glove from the deli that they own. And I'm supporting him. I'm like, let's go for a half a million. Let's go. I want you to be great. Great. God wants us to be great. But in the house of God, what are we all? We're all servants. We're all these guys. And then once again, here they are, just like how I said Phoebe was named as a deacon before, but then their names are given. Man, I want your name to be written down in this church as a leader, as someone that helps out. How can you be a faithful servant here? Let me give you the three ways. Somebody say, make it plain. All right, here it is, simple for everybody to understand. The first thing is be born again and join the discipleship process. If you're here today and you're not born again, this simply means that you need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And what Lord literally means is master. So you let him sit on the throne of your heart instead of yourself. And by confessing your sins, confessing that you believe he died on the cross, rose again, boom, you get a new life. That new life should be guided by someone that already has been living a new life. That's called discipleship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And we guarantee you in this church a mentor of the same gender that will meet with you on your schedule and disciple you. Do you know that I only can maybe point to a handful of churches in this whole city that will do that? Just to meet with most pastors and churches, you've got to wait about two weeks. This church guarantees you everybody gets a leader in their life. Everybody. Everybody gets someone to pray with. Everyone gets someone to talk about their marriage with. Everyone gets someone to celebrate their wins with. Because if you don't have my number, you're going to have Tony's number. If you don't have Tony's number, you're going to have Humberto's number. Everybody gets someone to support them. So you join that one-on-one discipleship. Uh, Pastor Jerry will help you out today. She was the one doing the announcements if you don't have someone yet. And those who stand up at the end are always there to help. After you graduate that, 
you go into the 201 class. Now think of the 101 being done one-on-one, like introducing you to the things of God. The 201's a class where you get taught how to live for Jesus. Because does anybody know it all? No, come on, man. I sit in on that class where I'm watching them teach and go through it, and I learn, and I wrote the book. Hello, because I didn't write the Bible. I just wrote a book about the Bible. So you talk about the Bible, I want to learn something, amen? I know that sounds like I shouldn't, but I should. I should learn. And you know what? The one who leads it, Pastor Jared, in the first service is actually a college professor. It's on that level, but it's accessible if you have a sixth-grade education. Even if you can't grasp it all, they'll help walk you through it because we're doing more than just head knowledge. We want to see heart transformation. And then lastly, I know I got some amens on that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that because that encourages me. And then lastly, guess what? You graduate. Now what do you do? You're a deacon. You're a decanos. You're a servant. So what are you going to go do? You're going to go lead on Sundays. You're going to go be a part of these awesome life groups. You're going to now take somebody under your wing. And guess what? If you've done it with us, you can do it out there with your neighbor. That's why we practice with each other. That's why we do it with each other where no one's going to put you down. Like when these people took the courage to testify in the service, nobody was back there like, oh, man, they embarrassed themselves. Now if they did it here, they can do it on their job tomorrow. You see, that's what we do in the church. We're a family that supports each other. Why? Because at the end of the day, the greatest thing that we all want to hear Jesus say to us is, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! How many are thankful? Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I could be here all day telling you what this, what this means to me. The very fact that I get to work in the Father's business has radically changed my life. How many of you are just so blessed that you get to be in the kitchen with your father learning how to make the recipes? I always felt like I was an outsider, but in here, I'm an insider. Like I told you, I always felt like there wasn't people who could relate to me, but I feel like I got brothers and sisters in this place. And it's not just for this hour I hold a mic, guys. How many know I got 167 more to live outside of here? But I know we're a family. We're doing this together. So here's how I want to end it. I want our altar workers and band to come, please. Here's how we're going to end today. It's going to take some courage. Nudge your neighbor and say, woman up or man up. I don't know if y'all ready for this. I got to get hype. Come on. Mm, mm, mm. Come on. This is what we're going to do. We are all individually going to stand up and shout out in our own words for this whole church to hear, Jesus, I'm your faithful servant. Here I am. Don't do it now because I want to give a little more instruction. But we are going to end out answering the call of Proverbs. Many proclaim their love. But a faithful man or woman, who can find? You don't have to say it in my words. You don't have to say it to make me happy. I want you to do it because you want to do it. So in just a few moments, I'm going to pray. And instead of saying amen, I'm going to say go for it. And as much as we can in this church, stand up one at a time. We have enough time. Don't be in a hurry. Stand up one at a time and just in your own words. God, I'm here. I'm your faithful servant. Use me. However you got to say it. Because we want to be a church of servant leaders. And I'm not here to embarrass you. Some people didn't do it in the first. Okay, that's all right. But here's the deal. If you can't do it now, how are you going to do it tomorrow on the job? How are you going to do it with your family? We got to do it here today. Because God is looking at our hearts and saying, 
Are you just using the words or do you really want to serve me? I want us to be a church that serves God. Are you all ready? I'm going to pray. Then when I say let's go, you all start it off. Father, thank you for today. It's only because of you that we're here. And Lord, we all know we're not saved by our good works. We're saved because of the good work you did on the cross. And if there's people here that are not saved, I pray they don't leave the same way they came. If they need help with prayer, they'll come up to these prayer workers. But Lord, those of us who have already accepted you and love you, I pray today, Lord, that when we stand up and make this declaration, it's because we mean it. We're not just going to say it and talk it. We're going to walk it. And you're going to give us the strength to live it. And even if we fail or sin or mess up, Lord, we'll ask for forgiveness and we'll not give up. Because a mess up won't make us give up. We'll get back up. In Jesus' name, let's go.